Hey, welcome Valley family. Uh, this is week number three uh, in our series that we're, we're looking at unshakable faith. Really want to thank you for joining us on our online campus wherever you are uh, today. We've been just hearing some great feedback uh, about this, this message series, helping us to really understand uh, what it means to be really a Protestant Christian uh, in that wing of the Christian church. Uh, so much of our church, really, church family, uh, was born and, and kind of raised Roman Catholic, and so there's all kinds of Catholic questions that from time to time come up. So we just thought we'd take these four weeks leading up to October 31st, which is Reformation Day, when it all got started 504 years ago uh, with Martin Luther, and, and just to look at really some of these differences, not putting down the Roman Catholics at all, or Orthodox, those are the other two wings of the Christian church, Orthodox, Roman Catholic, and Protestant, but really to understand who we are and, and really value uh, who we are as Protestant Christians. So if you've been trekking along with us, week number one, uh, we, we answered the question, scripture or tradition, that we go back to God's word, that's the ultimate source of authority and practical guide really for daily living. And then last week we talked about faith or works, are we justified, or are we saved by just faith alone, or faith plus works. And I want to invite you back next week, it's going to be a special uh, Sunday as we conclude on Reformation Day, October the 31st, and uh, we're going to be talking about communion or Eucharist. Uh, there is a difference there as well with the understanding, again, going back to Scripture as Protestants. And then in person here, we're going to actually celebrate communion together as a church family. Of course, communion is available every single week uh, here at Valley Christian Church at our Saturday morning prayer. And uh, if you'd like to participate in that and receive communion every single week, uh, we have that available uh, every single Saturday. But today I want to answer this question, pastor or priest? Pastor or priest, because those two words are not synonymous. They're, they're not the same. They don't mean the same thing at all, as we're going to see. And uh, again, as we talked about week number one, the, kind of the three main rally cries, there are a few others, but the three main rally cries of the Protestant Reformation were sola scriptura, scripture alone, sola fida, faith alone, and sola Christo, Christ alone. And, and this whole idea of pastor or priest Christ alone really factors majorly into the understanding of what does spiritual leadership look like in the church. Because if it's Christ alone, that's a very different perspective that a leader in a church, in a congregation would have than if it's Christ plus something else or someone else. And so let me give you a few contrasts as we start off here. And as always, uh, these notes are on our website. I encourage you to follow along and to really search the scriptures to see if these things are so. Uh, ValleyNY.cc, and you'll see message notes on there, and you can add your own and add some to it and email it to yourself, and you'll have them forever and ever and ever. So a couple contrasts real quick, kind of understanding the difference between priest and pastor. Then we're going to do a deep dive into some passages in scripture. Uh, first of all, a priest is really like a go-between. That's the whole idea of a priest really in any religion uh, is that people are unholy, unworthy, shameful, and a priest is kind of that go-between deity, between God and wretched, awful, fallen, you know, shameful humanity. 
So that, that's what a priest literally means. A pastor is not a go-between. A pastor really is a guide. In fact, the word pastor, it really means shepherd. So it's like you're guiding a flock of sheep. So the big difference between a go-between, you can't talk to God, you're not worthy enough, and a guide uh, that, that is really leading the flock of God. Uh, a priest is a mediator. That's also this idea of the, the in-between man uh, between God and, and a deity. When, when a pastor is not a mediator, he's a connector. In, in other words, pointing, always pointing to Jesus. That's what a pastor's role is, not to be in between Jesus and the people, but to point people to Jesus, help them connect with Jesus. And I really hope here at Valley Christian Church, that's your experience, whether it's online or in person or in our groups uh, that we have or, or some other ministry that you're connecting with, uh, that, that it's always about pointing to Jesus, connecting people back to Christ, solo Christo. Another kind of contrast here, a priest leads by explanation, a pastor leads by example. Now, now there is a, an element of explanation, no question about it with a pastor, but uh, it's more so, as we're going to see, this is a real huge part of what it means to be a pastor, is living a life that other people can follow, living by example. So, so when, when someone comes to, to me or, or to Susie, for instance, asking for some help in their marriage, we don't give them philosophical principles. Because we're married, we speak out of our own marriage. We, we don't give them theory, we give them experience. And, and the same thing with raising kids and parenting. We don't give them theory and principles, we, we, we give them experience of being an example. And so that's the main way that a pastor leads is by example, where a priest leads, I read this good book, here are some things that maybe you could think about. It's not necessarily from personal experience as an example at all. In other words, a priest is more do as I say, and a pastor is do as I do. A priest is more do as I say, do what I tell you. A pastor is more... Watch me and follow that example that I'm setting. Do as I do. And the Bible really is not quiet at all. It's not silent at all on, on what a, a pastor's role is or a leader in the church of Jesus Christ uh, in a congregation, what the qualifications are there. The Bible has specific qualifications uh, of those to lead a congregation of people. And, and Jesus is the perfect example of, of every one of these uh, qualifications. He's really the senior pastor. It's his church. And so what I want to do now is, is read you two main passages of Scripture, um, and, and these tend to be the kind of go-to passages when it talks about the role of a pastor or a leader in the church. Sometimes the word is elder. Uh, it, it means the same thing in that sense. I am one of the elders of our church. Uh, we have four uh, elders in our church. I'm one of them. Uh, that's the kind of a Bible word for him, the lead elder, if you will, and the lead pastor. And uh, these qualifications haven't changed. They've been around since the early church. They're scripture, really, really clear. So I want to read these two passages, and then I want to just list them real quick for you, what these qualifications are, because there's a lot of overlap between these passages in Timothy and in Titus. So 1 Timothy chapter 3, 
beginning in verse 1 through 7, uh, it says, This is a trustworthy saying. If someone aspires to be a church leader, he desires an honorable position. So right there, it's okay for someone to want to be a leader in the church, whether it's a, a group leader or even a pastor themselves. It says, So a church leader must be a man whose life is above reproach. Now that's the key passage there, the key phrase, if you will, in English. In Greek, it's one word. And we're going to find the exact same word is in the next passage we look at in Timothy. But this is that idea, here it's translated, must live a life above reproach. We'll explain that in just a minute. And it goes on and says, he must be, a fa- he must be faithful to his wife. He must exercise self-control, live wisely, and have a good reputation. And then it continues to say, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must be able to teach. Now, isn't that funny? All the way down that list, finally comes to able to teach. So many times we look at someone who's able to teach, like, oh, they'd be a great pastor. Not necessarily. We're going to see that there's a whole lot more that's being said. Yes, you'd be able to teach, but that's not even the top one. It says he must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. He must be gentle and not quarrelsome and not love money. He must manage his own family well. This is so huge. He must manage his own family well, having children who respect and obey him. And it continues, as it says, for if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? Now stop right there. Think about this for a minute. The Bible puts it this way. A man, a a pastor's proving ground is not seminary or education, it's marriage and parenting. Because if if he doesn't prove himself in his marriage, in leading in his marriage, and leading in his family, how in the world is he going to lead a church? That's the scripture, and that's what we go back to, sola scriptura. And, And so he has to lead his own household well. That's one of the main qualifications of a pastor. Now, obviously, that's not the case of a priest. Uh, in Roman Catholic Church, priests don't marry and they don't have kids. But that's the clear teachings of Scripture. That, that, that's what qualifies. And then it says, a church leader must not be a new believer because he might become proud and the devil would cause him to fall. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. So, so right there, it needs to have a good reputation as well. And, and so that's one of the main passages. Now let's go to Titus chapter 1. It's not as long, but, but Paul, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he wrote 1 Timothy, uh, and, and he also wrote Titus as well. And it's amazing how these overlap. And, and look at what he says in explaining, giving a full picture of, of what a pastor really is, what they're supposed to be. In Titus chapter 1, verse 6 through 9, and it uses the word elder there, and and again, this is not a, by the way, it's not a title. None of these things are actually titles in Scripture. They're functions. An elder is a function in our church. The other three elders of our church, Pat Farley, Terry Wright, Chris Kelly, they help me with the big picture decisions about what's going on in the direction of the church. Uh, They're non-paid. They're volunteers, you know, in our church. An elder must live a blameless life. That's the same exact word in the original language of the New Testament as in 1 Timothy where it says above reproach. It's the exact same word in Greek. Must must be blameless. Doesn't mean perfect, but it, it means there's not 
stuff going on in his life that's out of control and out of alignment with God's word. He must be blameless. He must be faithful to his wife. There it is. Isn't that amazing? Right out the gate. Faithful to his wife and his children must be believers who don't have a reputation for being wild or rebellious. A church leader is a manager of God's household so that he must live a blameless life. So there it is again, this whole idea of uh, it's about marriage and parenting in a Christ-like way that qualifies a person to lead in the family of God. Not perfect, but certainly progress and maturity in those areas. Really, really incredible. Most churches, that's not what they look, look for when they look for a pastor. And so it says that, that because of marriage and family, his kids, so that he would live a blameless life. In other words, it wouldn't cause shame on the gospel. And then it goes on and it says, he must not be arrogant or quick-tempered. He must not be a heavy drinker, violent, dishonest with money. Rather, he must enjoy having guests in his home, and he must love what is good. He must live wisely and be just. And it goes on and it says, he must live a devout and disciplined life. He must have strong belief in the trustworthy message that he was taught. That's talking about the gospel. And then he will be able to encourage others with wholesome teaching and show those who oppose it where they are wrong. So, so those two passages, really, so much overlap there. But, but again, the, the main theme, and then it kind of goes down, like big picture, and then it gives the detail, is this, that a pastor is supposed to be above reproach. Not perfect, but, but there shouldn't be all these problems in his life going on. Not in his relationships with his spouse, with his kids. Uh, and I'm saying he in that generic sense, not, not exclusively, not gender specific. But, but there shouldn't be problems in the marriage. should be a healthy marriage, not perfect, but healthy. Kids should love Jesus and grow up with a knowledge and understanding. Because here's the thing. If, if a pastor can't make disciples of his own kids, why would we think he could make disciples of anyone else in the church? I mean, the, the, the greatest work of my life is my marriage and Michaela, Brooke, and Sophia, my three daughters. That's the greatest work of my life. That's the proven ground for pastoring. And there's so many times, it's so easy, so many pastors do this, they put the church above their marriage or they put the church above their kids and, and, and the kids are the worst behavior. They're the rebels in the church. And I'm so thankful for my father and mother that, that never allowed that to happen when I was growing up. That, that they always, I always had this sense and so did my siblings, which by the way, all three of my siblings love Jesus walking with the Lord today. They're kids as well. And it's because of that priority that was set in, in the Williamson home when we were young that my mother was first in my father's life, the kids were second, and the church was third. Not first or second, was third. And, and, and that helped make me secure, and that made me also want to be a pastor when I felt like God called me to be a pastor. So this whole idea of, of above reproach, what it really means is blameless, and there you see the references right there. 
And so let me just run down these real quickly, maybe add a little bit, you know, explanation. 17 different characteristics of a pastor that qualify a pastor. Now the interesting thing is, as we look through these, that you're going to see is, it's not about so much what a pastor does. It's not like a pastor must do this. It, it, you'll see it's a pastor must be. See, it's about character. It, it's about who the person is. And that's really the clear teachings of Scripture. It's not about what they do. Uh, it's not about how charismatic or flamboyant a teacher they are. It, it's about who they are. It's about what we must be as leaders in the church. So, so real quickly, a pastor must be devoted to his wife. Must be. And, and in your notes on the website there, we have the scripture references, and, and if you want to look back, you can just click on that link, and it'll take you to that passage uh, in the Bible. That's the way I kind of prepared this uh, for this message today. So a pastor must be devoted to his wife. A pastor's children must be in submission. That means they're, they're you know, they're not perfect, but they're, but they're not hell raisers either. Uh, you know, they're serving God and, and, and serving, you know, alongside as, as a family. That's something, again, my family modeled to me when I was growing up, and, and we've modeled it. Our, our girls went through Valley Kids, and as soon as they were done, they started serving in Valley Kids. You know, it's just like we do this together. Uh, a pastor must be a faithful steward. You got to be able to handle money in a healthy way. Uh, a lot of pastors run off the rails because they don't handle money personally they don't handle it very well and then forget about when it comes to the church of God not in their own family and not in the church family and so it's really important a pastor has got to be a faithful steward using those resources both personal and also the churches in a wise way uh, a, a pastor has to be humble not, not arrogant not not pompous you, you know uh I've, I've never had, and I no, don't ever want to have my own parking spot. Why, why, why would I do that? You know, that's a lot of pastors. It's like all this, this kind of stuff like that. Humble. Be humble. A, a pastor must be gentle. Uh, that means not a brawler, you, you know. If, if, uh, if I'm going popping people in the mouth all the time, you, you know, laying hands on people suddenly, not in a biblical way, that's... that's that disqualifies me as a pastor. A, a pastor must be sober. And, and by that, it doesn't just mean uh, not drink alcohol to the point of drunkenness, uh, drunkard, uh, but it also means any type of substance abuse. It, that would disqualify me as a pastor. And, and be, because we need to have it be in our right mind. And, and so, must be sober, must be peaceful. Again, notice this must be, it's not do. <laughs> So many times we, we, we judge pastors by what they do, but the Bible says it's about what we, we're supposed to be. And it goes on and says, uh, after that, a pastor must have financial integrity. There are the verses there, and also 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3. Uh, already talked about, a, a pastor must be hospitable. Uh, it's a part of, of who I'm supposed to be is having people in my home, is open in my home being hospitable and man you know my wife is just the best at that I mean I open the door and like hi how are you but she's the one who sets everything up just fantastic and uh, many of you have been to the Williamson home you know what I'm talking about there but but that's 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 part of who we're supposed to be is hospitable uh, a pastor must be a lover of good a lover of what's good 
a pastor must be self-controlled, no temper tantrums, you know, uh, kicking, kicking garbage cans and uh, punching fists through the walls. Can't, can't do that. Uh, a, a pastor must be upright. You know, that, that again, his, his life is aligned with God's word. Not perfect. I'm not perfect, man. Not at all. I mean, even preparing this, I was like, oh boy. Oh boy. You, you know, I, I, I struggle. I have my moments. There's no question about that. Uh, but, 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 but ultimately, is my life aligned with, with God's word and what he's saying here? I, I believe so. You can, you know, ask my wife and kids. They'll, they'll tell you. Ask those closest to me that know me best. Not perfect, but progressing. That, that's the whole thing, progressing. Uh, as a pastor, a pastor must be holy. That, that word holy doesn't mean perfect. It means set apart. And there, there are certain things that, that as a pastor, like other people can do, there's no problem at all. You can keep your job forever. There's some things, pastor, you just can't do and stay a pastor because your life is set apart. Your, your, your life is supposed to be an example. And, and then we see the, the 14th one, a pastor must be able to teach. That's a part of it. But notice in the big sequence of 17 different things listed in these two passages, uh, that's one, able to teach. Uh, a pastor must be spiritually mature. A lot of churches get into problems when they promote uh, people that aren't really spiritually mature. They're gifted, uh, that has nothing to do, a spiritual gift, uh, a talent, and ability has nothing to do with the content of someone's character. And and so this is right here in the scripture that they need to be spiritually mature. Uh, A pastor must be respectable, have good manners. (laughs) You know, please, thank you, just just. Be respectful in the way that we communicate, not talking down to people, not belittling people. Uh, a pastor must be an example to the flock, right there in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 3. So boiling all this down, what, what the Bible says, and these aren't the only places, but these are the two most uh, expansive definitions, if you will, uh, of what a spiritual leader is supposed to look like in the church of God. Uh, boiling them all down, I would kind of summarize it this way to kind of put a handle on it so you can take it with you. When it comes to a pastor, the messenger is the message. The messenger is the message. See, so many times we miss this. When God wanted to communicate to you and me, he sent his son. Because the messenger is the message. They only wait that my words, when I'm speaking God from God's word, the only weight that will ever be behind my words are my life. And, and, and that's why I think it's really important, and I always tell people this, you know, first-time guests that come visit our church and, and things like that, and, and sometimes they say, oh, I'm looking for a church. And I always tell them, that's one of the, most, that's one of the biggest decisions you can ever make for your life. You, you need God's guidance for that, where to plug in, where to plant roots. Because for good or for bad, the, the, the person or the people that you're hearing from, if, if their life is not lined up with what they're saying, you're not going to grow the way you need to grow. Because the messenger is the message. So many times we see this throughout Scripture, that, that God always uses a person to deliver the message. I remind of Old Testament Hosea, that, that when God spoke to the prophet Hosea, before God you know, spoke through him, you know, used his voice to speak to the people, he said, 
First off, what I want you to do is, I want you to go out, he was a single guy, and he goes, I want you to go out and marry a prostitute and, and bring her home and love her unconditionally. And he's like, wait, what? He's like, yeah, I want you to do that. And, and he, he married her, Gomer, and he brought her home, and, and he loved her unconditionally, and she went out and she cheated on him, all this other stuff, and he'd bring her back because it was his wife, and he'd forgive her and love her unconditionally, and then she'd go out and she'd prostitute herself again, be unfaithful, and he'd bring her back, and his heart would just break. And then God said to Hosea, now you know how I feel now you can speak on my behalf. He said, because that's what my people, that's what my children do to me all the time. They're always going away, being unfaithful to me, and I'll always bring them back. The messenger is the message. I've got some scars. That, that's, what, that's what makes some weight behind my words. Any pastor who's pastored like more than six months, you got, some, you got some scars. You've been there. You've been through some stuff. You struggled through. The messenger is the message. And, and I've heard it said this way before. In fact, I learned this in Bible college. My professor who taught me how to preach and all, he put it this way. Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. Your actions speak so loudly, I can't hear what you're saying. That's the essence of a leader. Not perfect. We've even talked about, you know, walking wounded. Not perfect, but progressing. Getting better all the time. The messenger is the message. So what is the, a pastor's perspective? That's the qualifications. What's a pastor's perspective? Well, I love this. In, in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, again, Paul, the Holy Spirit's writing, inspiring his words, and, and he talks about uh, five gifts, functions to the church of Jesus Christ, and then he says, this is what these functions, these roles, if you will, these aren't titles, by the way, these are roles, these are functions, these functions in the tr Christian church, uh, this is the purpose of them, and so look at what it says uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 and 12, it says, now these are the gifts that Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and the teachers. I like to think of it as this is the, this is the coaching staff. These are the roles in the church. Again, they're not titles. It's not, you know, you know uh, and I get it. Sometimes people call me Pastor Greg, but that, that, that's not my first name. My first name's Greg. You know, you could call me Doc. That's kind of like the nickname, you, you know. Uh, none of these things are ever meant to be titles. That's man that, that always wants these things to be titles. Uh, th these are functions. A and, and what is the role of the five, five, five roles here? What, what are they supposed to do? You know, we talked about who they're supposed to be, what they're supposed to do. Here it is. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and build up the church, the body of Christ. See, now that's a huge contrast between a priest. A priest does the work, and, and the people watch. A pastor, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist, uh, you, you know, they equip God's people. They empower God's people. They, they empower the people in the pews in the padded seats 
to do God's work. And so it really is like coaching is what it is. In other words, the, the whole role of a spiritual leader in the church of Jesus Christ, according to Ephesians 4, 11 through 12, it is to get people, to move them from spectators to participants, to being involved with it. And, and how awesome uh, was it that, that on our dream team day, we had over 100 people come out. And, and you know what's so significant about that? What do we do? We just empower those volunteers to do work of the ministry. They're ministering to people in the parking lot. They're ministering to people pouring a cup of coffee. They're ministering to people in Valley Kids. They're ministering to people and helping them find a seat. That, that's the way it's supposed to function. Not, not that, that there's, there's one guy, a one-man show, and he does it all, and everybody just sits there and watches. That, that's not the perspective for the last 2,000 years. That's not God's word. But it's the, their responsibility to equip God's people to do God's work and to build up the church. And that's the purpose, to build up the family of God. That, that I can't do that alone. Our whole pastoral staff here, we can't do that alone. You know, empower you. Empower others to go from spectators to participants. In, in other words, it's, it's like, uh, but I'm not uh, exempt from it myself. Well, what is Greg Williams? I'm a player coach is what I, because I'm still in this as well. I'm still ministering. I'm still serving God. You know, I'm still doing the work of the ministry as well, but I'm also a coach. So I'm a player and a coach. That, that's what these spiritual leaders in the church, that's what we're supposed to all be about. And, and you know, in our last series, uh, when, when we were talking about unshakable purpose, I, I shared with the church family just how many, I think it was close to 40 people that have gotten their start in ministry in terms of on staff at a church here at Valley Christian Church uh, over the years, and, and myself, I'm one of those. And, and we've been working behind the scenes on really uh, a whole new approach to really be even more intentional, more deliberate about that, uh, because I'm starting to get more and more calls. I got a call recently from uh, an elder in a church in Spain that literally said, you got anybody ready uh, there at Valley Christian Church? We're looking for a pastor. Do you have anybody on staff that you could recommend? I, I, a friend of mine pastors in Cayman Islands. He's looking for a youth pastor right now. I mean, this is happening, and it's a pretty cush job. I actually asked him if I could send him a resume. No, I'm just kidding. But, but uh, it's it's nice church. I preached there before in Cayman Islands. It's really a, a uh, like a, I'm a mentor to him, like a, he's like a spiritual son to me, uh, actually there. And, and this is happening more and more and more. And we've had internships for uh, many, many years. We've had in, an internship program mainly in the summer. Uh, but, but now we're becoming even more intentional about that, this whole idea of really being a training center. And, and what we're, we've developed is, is really what's called Valley Christian Church Residency. And uh, what that is is, is really giving people an opportunity that feel like maybe maybe uh maybe working in a church in terms of career maybe that is what god's call is on their life and so instead of just an internship which is really like a 90 day three month uh kind of focused on a project this is more like really hands roll up the sleeves get the hands dirty in ministry for at least a year can be extended to a two-year period of time 
as a resident, kind of like you have residents in a hospital, resident doctors. We're, we have residents now and the ability to have residents on staff. In fact, we have five uh, that, that I've recruited kind of to pilot this whole program. Uh, we're real excited about it. And I want to just introduce them to you right now in our church that I, I, we, we've talked about as a staff and, and you know, put a list on the board. And then I went and spoke with them and re- we recruited these. And we're so excited about them as they're starting literally on staff for a one-year term of residency uh, beginning November 1st. And the first off is Michelle Dancy. Uh, Michelle is going to be our director of VSM, Valley Student Ministry, the senior high group. And uh, we're thrilled to have her as part of the staff. Uh, Michelle has 13 years of ministry experience uh, working with Youth Mission Outreach in Poughkeepsie. And so she brings a lot to the table, and we're really excited about that. Many people have been asking, as of course this is Pastor Stephen and Jasmine Francis's last weekend. We're thrilled about that next step they're taking to be community pastors at Liberty Church in Brooklyn. And uh, we, we just think that's part of this whole training center. You know, some will stay, some will be sent out. And so we're thrilled to send them. Some have been asking, you know, parents, what's going to happen to VSM? Here's your answer. Uh, we have resident Michelle Dancy. She's going to be the director over VSM Senior High. And, and then alongside of her is going to be Elise Sneed. Uh, she's going to be the director of Valley Student Ministries, uh, the junior high group. Uh, and uh, Elise herself has 12 years experience also working with Michelle Dancy they they were actually college roommates they go back for a while there uh, at Youth Mission Outreach in Poughkeepsie so they bring again a lot of experience a lot of understanding to uh, the Valley Student Ministry and it's going to be in very very capable hands of course we still have a lot of other volunteers there but these two uh, remarkable ladies are going to be heading up VSM as directors of senior high, Michelle, and junior high, uh, Elise, and they're going to be working together. So parents, it's going to be in really great hands, and we just thank Pastor Stephen so much for uh, the, the last three months that he's, you know, put his hands, you know, in there and gotten dirty working with the, the students, and, and I think the student ministry is even just, uh, you know, it's even stronger as a result of Pastor Stephen being in there, and, and, and we're ready to take the next step as well with uh, Elise and, and with Michelle. And then uh, uh, the third uh, resident that we have is George Engel. He's going to be director of Valley Groups. This is one of the things that Pastor Stephen did, and George actually did a three-month internship uh, this summer while he was off. He's a school teacher, calculus and all kinds of stuff I can't even begin to fathom, uh, but, but George did a internship uh, this summer uh, about groups, and, and we knew this understanding. Stephen was getting these offers, and, and so this was a great opportunity for someone else to come alongside Stephen and learn, and uh, Stephen even said, you know, probably at this point, George knows the groups, Valley Groups, better than he does, just got a whole back-end system going and all that, so this is going to be really super capable hands, and George Engel, although he's teaching school a- as well, he's also agreed to a one-year residency on staff uh, as director of Valley Groups, and, and then a couple that I'm real excited about, uh, the fourth and fifth resident that we have, uh, and, and that's Judah and Simone Keim. Uh, Judah is going to be the director of what we're we're calling Valley Experience. That's that's kind of like 
uh, the front end for when someone gets out of the car in the parking lot, all the way through their first experience, all they have the follow-up, all of that. Uh, and his wife, Simone, so Judah's going to be the director, and Simone's going to be the coordinator working alongside of him. And they have a tremendous amount of experience. Uh, Judah was an intern uh, at Hillsong, New York City, for over five years. And uh, Simone was a high-capacity volunteer there for over six years. Uh, she did stage manager and technical things and uh, actually coordinated the uh, women's color conference and was also a dancer there so they bring a tremendous amount of experience to the residency program here so these five we're so excited about uh, as we start and we launch this residency program now that being said maybe you're interested in learning a little bit more maybe you you've got you know a, a sense in your heart maybe that's for me you know, you know to be on staff at a church in terms of a career well we've established a web page on our website if we could just go ahead and put that up valleyny.cc backslash residency and, and you can actually apply right now uh, at this time right now in the fall here we're not taking in any new residents but probably late winter early spring we will as well uh, be considering adding some more and, and so we have this in all different areas everything you want to know about residency here at Valley Christian Church one-year program can be extended two years it's really a staff position uh, it is right there on that web page, so you can check that out, valleyny.cc residency, and uh, uh, we can answer any questions that you might have. So we, we've looked at all kinds of qualifications for a pastor, a leader in the church. Again, not perfect, but progressing. Uh, that, that it's really a whole lot more about who you are as a person, even more than some sort of gifting or, or great orator uh, ability, you, you know, to, to speak or, or preach. So it kind of begs the question, you know, why would anyone want to be a pastor? Why would anyone want to be a pastor? You're kind of living in a, a, a fish tank, you know, fish bowl. Uh, it seems like, you know, people are looking, and, and they should. They should be able to look at our lives. They should be able to look at my wife, look at my kids, look at my family, look, look at the way I handle finances and, and, and things like that. Because the messenger is the messenger. Why would anyone want to be a pastor? Well, here's the reason why. There's a pastor's reward. There, there's a special reward for being a pastor. And, and I'm not talking about people clapping. I'm, I'm not talking about, you know, any of those things. First of all, I tell people all the time, if you could do anything else, you ought to do it. Because if you've got a plan B, <laughs> you'll jump on that plan B really, really fast. You know, unless it's, a, unless it's this call in your heart that there's nothing else that will fulfill it besides recognizing this is who God made me to be. He created me for this. I, I believe that with everything in my heart. God, God created me. That's why I'm on the planet. And, and, uh, but there's a pastor's reward. Look at what Peter wrote. He talked about this reward, which is really mind-blowing to me. Well, this is the apostle Peter, you know, the one that... You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, on this rock I'll build my church. By the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, look, look at what Peter says. He says, care for the flock that God has entrusted to you. Now that's a huge statement right there. That, that Again, this whole idea of flock, shepherd, pastor, that's what it literally means, shepherd. And that's why we have growth track here at Valley Christian Church. Because I'm responsible to know, the pastors here, we're responsible to know 
who God has entrusted to us. It's really, really important that we know who are, who are part of the flock here. That's why we have members, so we know one day I'm going to have to stand before God and give an account for those that he entrusted to my care that were a part of Valley Christian Church for, for, for that time. It says, watch over, watch over that flock willingly, not grudgingly, not for what you'll get out of it, but because you're eager to serve God. And then he goes on and it says, don't lord it over the people assigned to your care. God has assigned people to, to my care here at Valley Christian Church, to the pastoral staff here at Valley Christian Church. Assign them to our care. But lead them with your own, here it is, good example. And watch this. And when the great shepherd appears, the ultimate pastor, Jesus returned, you will receive a crown of never-ending glory and honor. That is a pastor's reward that in eternity for all time, because of how we serve here, that, that God is going to honor us for the rest of time, even when time is no more. That's how God sees a pastor, a shepherd. That's how serious he is about it. And, and, and I just want to give God my best. That, that's why I, at night when I lay my head on my pillow, I just like, God, did I give you everything? Did I give you my best? Did I do my best work today for you? Because he says, I'm going to reward you. I'm going to reward you for being faithful with a, never end, a crown of never-ending glory and honor. We, we like to honor our dream teamers, our volunteers. We just did that on Saturday, those that were just like MVPs in 2020. I just can't imagine what that kind of honor is when God honors uh, someone who led in the family of God as, as a shepherd to, to really work in under the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, that's Jesus. Not perfect, man, I'm so far from it. I am so far from perfect. But I'm getting better. I, I, I'm progressing. And, and that's what it means to be a leader in the family of God. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we look to the good shepherd, the ultimate shepherd, Jesus Christ, as an example of what spiritual leadership is supposed to look like in the church. God, I, I thank you for pastors that impacted my life, that have impacted so many that are with you right now, and they're receiving right now, Lord, even as we speak, a crown of never-ending glory and honor in your presence. And God, may we never take for granted the responsibility of spiritual leadership in the church of Jesus Christ. And God, I pray that even in this message, Lord, you've been stirring men and women's hearts. Lord, your Holy Spirit's been speaking while I've been speaking. They've heard my voice, but they've heard the Holy Spirit saying, it's time for you. It's time for you. God, thank you for the creative ideas of internship and residency. And Lord, may we even be more intentional as a Valley family to be a training center to empower and equip your people
your flock for works of service. In Jesus' name, amen.